For years, I've told people that, that when I pray for them, the thing I know that can happen is you can receive peace because I, because I have a lot of peace. The peace I'm talking about is not circumstantial. Peace I'm talking about has nothing to do with external realities. The peace that I'm talking about is the peace that Jesus spoke of. You know, in John's gospel, he mostly spoke of love. He didn't speak of peace, but I think six times that we even find the word in John's gospel. But it's very significant when. We see, uh, we see Jesus speak of peace um, when just before he went to the cross. And he said, I'm giving you peace, not as the world gives. So understand this. If, if you know Jesus... Jesus is the one who was able to fully carry the realities of two worlds in his body. And he, and he stood there as the, as the man from heaven who was fully man. And he stood there and he said to his disciples, I'm giving you peace. Now then what he did was he threw them into the worst storm since Noah's flood. That's what he did as soon as he gave them peace. He just threw them into a tumult and it took all their peace away. And then there came the day when they were gathered afraid and without any peace. And he walked in the room and said to them, peace I give you. So you need to understand, we're going to talk about being connected by peace out of Luke 1 this morning. And most of the sermon is an introduction. But I want you to get this. Peace is not your circumstances. It's a person. Once you get that, you can, you can dial in. Peace is not the absence of things that rob you. Peace is not the absence of noise. It's not the absence of conflict. It's not the absence of war. It's the presence of a person whose reality transcends all those things. That's what he came to give us. So let's go to the beginning where it began. And wonderful that we had in our text, he, 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 gave that, he gave that passage, the Prince of Peace. But understand this, the Prince of Peace came into the world, made war on the world. And you and I are still here in this world and we're still here for warfare, warfare and we're waging war by peace. Let's look at it. Luke 1, 57, now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. Now, I wasn't here on the first week of, um, of when, when, the, when the candles were, were lit. And I didn't pat, preach the passage about how John the Baptist was uh, prophesied and conceived. And it's appropriate now for me to back up and give you that for context. Now, while he was serving as a priest before God when his division was on duty, Zechariah, according to the custom of the priesthood, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and burn incense. This is a very high privilege and puts you in a place of intimacy with God uh, that made you the envy of the priesthood. And it was, it, was the, it was one of the holiest acts he could do. 
And the whole multitude of the people were praying outside at the hour of incense. And there appeared to him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer's been heard. (laughs) So just get this. Probably if angels appear to you, it's a good day. I wonder. <laughs> Listen, you can't cause yourself to experience anything, but you can only put yourself in a position to receive. And lots of people, if, if you don't position yourself in a position, then, then I'm, listen, here, anyway, let's go on. <laughs> Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for your prayer has been heard. And your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. How much fun is this now? I'm pretty sure, you know, you got your opportunity to go light incense before the altar and to make your request. And still on your heart is the prayer request that you and your wife have had all of your lives until the time has come when it's not feasible anymore. And the angel of the Lord says, your prayer's been heard. Now, Zechariah has a history of being inside of a bunch of people whose whose prayers for children get heard. It's not like there's no precedent among the people of Israel. This wouldn't have been something hidden from him. And you will have joy and gladness and many will rejoice at his birth for he will be great before the Lord and he must not drink wine or strong drink. And he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even from his mother's womb. I think that might be one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible because it breaks every rule. So listen, the next time you think that uh, being filled with the Spirit is based on being a good person, this is so funny. I never get this thirsty when I preach. And I tell him not to bring the table over and I'm thirsty. I'll just keep it and I'll probably baptize a few people before I'm done. (laughs) He must not drink wine or strong drink. Of Of course he's gonna be a Baptist. Oh, this is the moment when I'm tempted to be naughty. No. No. It's not that tempting. All right. He was going to be a Nazarite. Set aside for the Lord. And he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just and to make ready for, uh, for the Lord a people prepared. Hallelujah. And Zechariah said to the angel, how shall I know this? 
for I'm an old man and my wife is advanced in years. <laughs> Listen, that's code language for, can you give me a sign? Because there's nothing happening here. <laughs> the angel answered him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. And behold, you will be silent and unable to speak until the day that these things take place because you did not believe my words, which will be fulfilled in their time. I like that. You want a sign? I'll give you a sign. So this means you have your greatest experience of your life. You go out and you can't talk about it. You have the greatest encounter you've ever had. And Zippo. Now, I've wondered about this. Haven't you wondered about this? And I've, and I've made a connection. I'll just say I made a connection. Whether this is a proper connection, I don't know. But it's probably a good one. John is going to be the guy who's going to come stand up and, and, and speak. And he's going, to, he's going to speak prophetically to a nation that has not had a prophet in 400 years. And the prophecy that is given, the, the words that are spoken by Gabriel to Zechariah are not unclear. They are clear. They are able to be connected in Zechariah's mind to what God has promised before because the very last words of our Old Testament, the last of the prophets in the Old Testament, Malachi 4, and the last words of that prophecy, behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and awesome day of the Lord comes and he will turn the hearts of fathers to their children and the hearts of children to their fathers lest I come and strike the land with a decree of utter destruction. Do you see it? Couldn't be any clearer. Elijah turning the hearts of the fathers. Now, so he says, show me a sign. All right, I'll make you a sign. I haven't spoken to Israel in 400 years and you won't speak until this is accomplished. It's a big deal. Okay, so now that's, a, that's, that's introduction to the introduction. And yes, I put a little thing in here. We, get, we drop all the way down to uh, verse 57 from the first part of the chapter to the last. Now the time for Elizabeth to give, uh, came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. And her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown great mercy to her and they rejoiced with her. And on the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child and they would have called him Zechariah after his father. His mother answered, no, he shall be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives is called by that name. And they made signs to his father inquiring what he wanted him to be called. Every woman in the crowd is offended now. There was no political correctness in those days. And he asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, his name is John. And they all wondered. 
John is a sign that made them wonder. All right. Now, I'm going to talk to you about this business of peace. Y'all want to talk about politics? Nancy and Donald walked into a bar. (laughs) I just took all your peace away. Wasn't hard at all. Wasn't hard at all. It was really easy. (laughs) It's so wonderful to talk about peace. I want something to happen to you. I want something to happen to you so dramatic that what's about to happen to you won't disturb you. I want you to gather with your families and have this impartation. I want you to, you see, I want, I want you to remember your losses and have this impartation. I want you to go through what you've gone through and have this impartation. What? Peace. You guys been paying attention to Bethel Church? Even some of our folks here uh, that are from there come home for, for, the, for the holiday. Um, if you don't know, a week ago yesterday, a little child named Olive died, two-year-old. Suddenly, mysteriously. And the parents said they wanted the church to pray for this child to be raised from the dead. And all I've heard, everywhere I go, all I've heard is howling critics. And I've looked online and uh, places that I, that I communicate with people, which by the way, aren't very many these days. <laughs> For the sake of peace. And they're just howling. Now listen, by everything I know, I was like, listen, it's, it's a little disturbing. Because for seven days, they prayed for this child to be raised from the dead. And they, and they um, put on online and on video, they put online some of their services and, and all the critics got crazy. And then uh, Pastor Bill posted like a five minute message. I listened to it. So when I listened to it, I said, I ain't worried about it. Why? Because you can do that if you're operating in peace. You don't do it if you're living in torment. You can do that if you're operating from victory. You can do that if you know the God of peace is with you. And so when I found out that the family had requested it, And I listened to Pastor Bill talk about it. I said, I'm going to mind my own business and pray and worship Jesus. Because, listen, do you get this? You got to get this. They're living so firmly in two worlds that the situations of this world do not destroy them. That's peace. That's peace. We don't grieve as those, we don't grieve like pagans. 
And they weren't like pagans uh, before the altars of Baal, cutting themselves and crying out and wailing for God to show up. They are operating from people who know the Prince of Peace and know that he's also the God of everlasting life and the God of resurrection life. And so they prayed. Like, did it stress me out a little? I think it did stress me out a little, but guess what? I, I didn't have to carry that. I prayed for them who carried it and I decided, shut your mouth. Don't criticize people that have faith you don't have. And so, by the way, this is a really big deal with me. More, more, more. There's, there's Christians of all kinds. We need them all. Don't be mad at them. Don't be mad at them. Don't be mad at the ones that think you uh, don't belong to Jesus. Don't be, mad, don't be mad at them. I'm for them all. His name is John. And they all wondered, what's John coming for? And immediately his mouth was opened and his tongue was loosed and he spoke. What does it say? Blessing God. This is like my, like, well, this is like my, woo, wheelhouse place. You are here to bless, not curse. It's a good time to say that. God, bless Bethel Church. Bless Bill Johnson. Bless Olive and her family. Bless the people of God. And he, and he loosed his tongue and he spoke, blessing God. And, and I love it. And fear came on all the neighbors. And come on, we want Jesus to show up in such a way that the, this is why, this is what I'm always telling you. I'm always telling you I want people to be afraid when they come in here. We might pull the snakes out, who knows? <laughs> I want people, I want the wondrous presence of God to be so mighty and to do so wonderful that people are afraid. You have to say, it's okay. It's okay. Fear came on all the neighbors and these things were talked about through all the country of Judea. And all who heard them laid them up in their hearts saying, what then will this child be? For the hand of the Lord was with him. And I'm, I told the church last night, I, I wonder at that phrase. That has to be a phrase that came in later. For the hand of the Lord was with him. And his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. Okay, so now let's get hold of this John thing. So John was filled with the Holy Spirit in utero. Mama was filled with the Holy Spirit when he kicked. Dad gets filled with the Holy Spirit when he's born. And then John comes and he's full of the Holy Spirit and he prophesies. But his main prophecy is, you're not going to get what you're after from me. One who's coming is going to give you your own and you'll have what, you'll have the Holy Spirit. <laughs> okay. Now, Christianity will never be an unspiritual reality. And, and unspiritual Christianity is not Christianity. Even though I still will call them my brothers and friends. 
And I remember all this time, people said, well, I'm not religious, I'm spiritual. I'm like, cool, you must be a Christian. Because Christianity is spiritual and the words I'm speaking to you are spirit and life. And the impartation I want you to receive is of the spirit and it's spiritual and it'll change your life. And if you get an impartation of peace that allows you to go through the storm that you're in, you understand me? It's because you've learned to live in the world of the spirit in a leather world while you're in this world. And you're participating in two worlds. The beauty of life is this is the time when we get to participate fully human and fully in the spirit at the same time. I don't know what things he has prepared for us, but the thing he's letting us walk in now is more wondrous than we know. And anything that you can learn in this world, if you can learn that, then you can learn and grow and develop in this. We are literally living in a time when every believer has the opportunity to walk in the spirit, to live in the spirit. How did these realities get missed by so many people? How did it come that we, that we decided to bind our life to propositional truth rather than relational truth? I want the proposition to the degree that it brings me to the person. And so in the next few days, your peace is gonna be challenged radically, but you're baptized. <laughs> you're baptized in another world, in another reality. And immediately his mouth was opened and he began to prophesy saying, blessed be the Lord God of Israel for he has visited and redeemed his people and he has raised up a horn of salvation in the house of his servant David as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. Listen, there's nothing in here that he didn't get from a propositional study of Holy Scripture. But now what has happened is a relational encounter has happened to him that has turned it into song and into prophetic utterance and into life and breath. And now this man is getting inside himself the Prince of Peace. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, don't get stressed out. You're saying he hasn't even come yet. Well, if you have his spirit, Spirit-filled people were signs of what God is going to do later when he would give the Spirit without measure and seal us up with the Spirit and cause us to live in the Spirit all of our days. And now your proposition is to learn how to be in touch. What Emily did today was she was putting you in touch with the one you already have. And as soon as she began to speak, as soon as I put my hands out, whoo, I got a rush. I didn't have to wait very long. But years ago, I didn't know the path of that. Years ago, I didn't know the way. 
And now I know the way and it's not that hard. And I can go there as quickly and as often as I want. And what I want now is I wanna live so much there that I don't have to even focus to, to be there here. And so that what's there, it's here in me can be released. John comes as a releaser of another world by prophetic utterance. And this is who he is in their history. And all that's being said here is that everything we ever hoped for from David, everything we ever hoped for from Abraham, everything our people have ever been promised is coming true. This is, if you will, this is Zechariah prophesying not of John, but of Jesus. This is the word giving concern. So listen, father got to prophesy Jesus before the son did. And the heart of this father was turned to this son and the heart of this son was turned to this father and he received the impartation of the story of who they were. Do you know who you are? There's nothing more powerful than a person who's a person of God saying to their children when they walk out the door, remember who you are tonight. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his way to give the knowledge of salvation to his people in the forgiveness of sins. Now you don't know this, but listen, Israel had been waiting for their sins to be forgiven for 2,000 years. Can we talk? The prophet Jeremiah prophesied a covenant wherein was coming the forgiveness of sins. And he's saying to them, you're gonna give the knowledge of salvation to his people. I'm talking about the forgiveness of sins. The good news, because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby, and it says in the King James, the day spring from on high has come. It means the sun has risen. You know what happens when the sun rises? The darkness is dispelled because light and darkness can't occupy the same space. It's an act of warfare. It's the warfare of peace. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide our feet in the way of peace. When you put on your armor, What's the last thing it says there? And your feet shall be what? Shod with the gospel of peace. Do you put on your armor to wage peace? Yes, but to go to war. Spiritual armor is for a warring church. And in this world, the peace that we carry makes war with the world. You're ne you're, you've never lived in a time in the United States of America where the spirit of Antichrist was more in our country. I can go on and on about this. I've been talking about this out of the book of Revelation for a long time. But right now, the spirit of Antichrist is everywhere. You know that in the United States of America, everywhere that government money goes, that, that means the state has dominion. And everywhere there's the state dominion, religion is expelled. Everywhere. 
And that's why you shouldn't be surprised that the, that the government wants to get inside of everything because governments do not acknowledge a Lord. It's the nature of governments to not be lorded over, but to exercise lordship. Better, you better pay attention to this stuff. You sound like, oh, you, you're taking away our peace. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm telling you who you are. And the child grew and became strong in spirit. So he's becoming now. And he was in the wilderness until the days of his public appearance. Doing what? Becoming strong in spirit. Abstaining from wine and being filled with Holy Spirit. Would, ooh, careful, Alan. Spontaneity is my gift and my curse. Hallelujah. So, all that was introduction, and now I can preach my short sermon. What's he doing? He's guiding our feet in the way of peace. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, and to guide our feet in the way of peace. You're not a victim. Don't be a victim. Don't conquer, don't conquer by being a victim. In our culture, the way to conquer now is to be a victim. But we're not victims. We won't be victims. And we're going out to conquer. And we're going out to wage the war of peace. And we're equipped with the presence of God by the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so John is the one that's going to herald the one who is going to give you what you need to wage the war of peace. The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet and the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. When I read Romans 16, which is a fabulous chapter, every time I read it, it's like this verse just goes because you kind of go like, what where, what, where did that come from? Because you read it, even you read it in context. It's a, he's given a greeting at the end, and he says, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. That's like my, my favorite scene from that movie that I don't like. The Passion. And um, now notice this. Jesus has already come. Why did he come? To destroy the works of the devil. Are the works of the devil destroyed? Oh, it's a trick question. You, already, you all are smart enough to know that. Nope, nobody answered. <laughs> y'all, are, y'all are really smart because the answer is yes and no. 
The yes is we're coming, we're operating from victory. Like they are in Bethel. And the no is we, we, we have to receive that which has been given. Now, he says this. You got to love this. Paul writes these words to the Roman church who's, who are under Nero. Who's ultimately going to crush Paul under his feet. Don't you love the ironies of the gospel? That's how you wage war of peace. You don't go out to kill. You go out willing to die. You go out willing to lay it all down. Now, let's unpack it a little bit. You see this passage in Luke? It's one of those strange passages. Whatever house you enter into, first say, peace be to you, this house. If the son of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it'll return to you. Come on. You read stuff like that and you go, okay. Must have had something to do with the culture. Matthew has another rendering of it. He says, and remain in the house eating and drinking with what they provide for the laborer deserves his wages. Now, this is the passage that teaches you about, um, also about finding a person of peace. So let's get hold of this. Let's, let's unpack it the way we came. Jesus tells his disciples, I'm going to give you a peace that nobody can take away. And then he puts that to the test and their peace is taken away. And then he shows up in a room and the first thing he says is that he, he says peace. <laughs> now here's the question. Did they receive it? Well, let's try it another way. What's the universal sign of peace? Yeah, that is too. <laughs> Hand signals can get you in trouble, you know. <laughs> we'll have to do an investigation to see if you're politically correct. <laughs> Y'all wanna talk about politics? And they picked up stones to stone him. <laughs> it's a dove with a branch in its mouth. Comes from Noah's flood. We're going to send it out. We're going to send it out to see if it finds a resting place. So we know we're in a new world. Jesus modeled it for him. Remember, Jesus is the one who said, as the Father sent me, I'm sending you. And then he said, I want you to get my peace. And then he went to the cross. And then he conquered death. And he came back and said, remember what I left you with? Peace. It's the same thing. Now, do you think they received it? <laughs> then what does he say to them? I want you to receive the Holy Spirit. And he breathed on them. 
we getting a connection? Now, now the Bible says this is how you live now. So listen, be adventurers. It's time to be adventurers again. It's time to make new friends. It's time to have new neighbors. It's time to make new connections. It's time to go into places and, in the, and, and when you are asked who you are, you tell the truth. And you not only represent who you are, but you represent who he is. And I always tell people, if you're gonna talk about your faith, always, always, always say the name Jesus. You say Yeshua, I'm good with that too. But always, it's his name. And then the deal is, if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest on them. And how will you know that? They're gonna feed you and give you something to drink. They're gonna have covenant with you. They're gonna say, let me, they're gonna receive you. And if they don't receive you, you don't fight them, you just go your way. Because you're waging the war of peace. Now, let me give, let me give, let me give it one more word and then we're gonna go after it. What is peace? What is peace? Somebody got it. Peace is not my, listen, when I was growing up, it was always, I just want peace and, that's not peace. In this world, the peace is the absence of noise, the absence of conflict, the absence of war. In the world we're bringing into the world, peace is a person. What did John the Baptist do? He came heralding the Lamb of God, the one who takes away the sin of the world and who will give you the Holy Spirit. And what are we supposed to do? Okay. Now, do you want to sow peace? Get the name of Jesus on your lips and make some friends. Get the name of Jesus on your lips and sow peace. Be willing to be rejected. Be willing to be misunderstood. Be willing for even Christians to say there's something wrong with you. Be willing to have it happen. But ultimately, peace is an impartation. And what God wants you to learn how to do is to release what you've received. The presence of a person. And that's the whole gospel, guys. This is what the Lord has for us.